Hello and welcome to Marketing Connected. In the lead up to the Digital Marketing Asia 2020 virtual conference in November, we will be chatting with our conference speakers on specific issues in the world of marketing, from digital transformation to customer experience and ad fraud, among others. Join us over the next few weeks as we unravel the ins and outs of digital marketing and hear from industry players on how you can jumpstart your journey. Today's guest is Franco Chiang, Digital Transformation and Innovation Head at Daimler. He has over 20 years of extensive experience leading complex, large-scale digital transformations. Franco will be sharing with us his experience with Daimler's digital transformation journey, as well as the crucial areas for companies looking to get started. Hi, Franco. Thanks for joining us. Could you share a little bit about yourself and what you do at Daimler? Thanks for inviting me. So uh, my name is Franco Chum. Actually, I work in the Daimler uh, automotive industry. Basically, people know it as the Mercedes uh, holding company. Uh, my role focused pretty much on digital strategy, uh, innovation topics around transformations, and also looking at how our services can be improved. Uh, let's say looking at legacy setup into more uh, self-services automated approach. So over the last years, I think we have been looking quite closely into the autonomous uh, vehicles. And hopefully I can also share how the IT world in terms of infrastructure layers in Denver has helped to, let's say, make that transformation. Okay, let's talk about autonomous vehicles for a bit, shall we? With them getting increasingly popular nowadays, how is Daimler expanding to this area? I guess everyone sees um, autonomous vehicle comparing to Tesla, which is pretty much, uh, let's say, one of the leading companies. I think in the past, where we, we look at in terms of transformations, um, Daimler itself started also in, in the electrical, uh, let's say, technology per se. Uh, what we see right now is that with more and more people looking into cost uh, optimization with more integrated IoT, such big parts of, I would say, the digital transformation journey is not just in terms of getting from point A to point B, uh, but users or let's say the, the consumer themselves are looking into much integrated approach to say that uh, other than driving a car, which is of the luxury status, people want to be able to do more with the car, getting connected, not just on the phone, but able to surf the net, do some chase online, uh, you know, improving mileage and looking at what can be further optimize or even carpool sharing are pretty much uh, I would say things that the consumers are uh, looking into that. What is unique into Tesla I would say is that uh, we are all learning together. Tesla started pretty much into full tech. There is no let's say powertrains and engines in those cars. They are pretty much driven by electronics. Good and bad uh, we don't know yet but for sure if I look at how the COVID situation is moving people are getting less uh, lesser on the road. So everyone wants to be able to optimize in terms of uh, what, what needs to be spent getting from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say at this stage, uh, it is a learning journey for all of us. Uh, if I look into the infrastructure from Singapore point of view, where we are all trying to move into a smart city, do we have enough charging points, for example? And those questions are yet to be, let's say, answered. But I will say that uh, more for moving forward, there is definitely a clear strategy to look into that. I like that point about how people want a car that doesn't just get them from point A to B, but want something more integrated instead. How is such behavior transforming the automotive industry? There's a clear term that we use about case. I'm not sure they know about case. So connected vehicles, uh, more autonomous, automated, more shared services. Uh, And this pretty much all the users are looking to to the environment. So uh, how connected, basically data information are pretty much shared in terms of your your driving uh, frequencies, in terms of uh, your, your driving habits, uh, what kind of destination are you driving from point A to point B? Is it possible to share some of these locations, not just by single users? If you look at the economy of scale, sometimes or most of the times in Singapore, actually, uh, I would say that 
most of the vehicles are having a maximum of one or two passengers with the exception of those three families. But uh, most of the time, I would say this can be, let's say, further optimized. And of course, then with the look into the uh, usage point of views, uh, fuel are also getting uh, used up along the world. Now we are moving into electric uh, power fuel cell. And how, how can we, let's say, optimize some of the usage on pay-per-use basis? A lot of these are under explorations. And uh, with shared technologies, like even from Grab, from Uber, uh, this also uh, largely embed and empower, let's say, the usability of such vehicles around it. Yeah. If I look at in the past where we have um, oil pretty much is driving the economy, uh, what we see now is basically the data, data is actually driving it. So I put it as a data as a new oil concept, what we talk about. With more information coming from what kind of uh, consumers' cars are the, the world is looking into, what kind of driving behaviors, uh, which gender of uh, people are actually buying it, what are the driving habits. All these, I would say, are valuable information that helps autonomous automotive industry to plan and look at what are the kind of needs that we have uh, moving down the road. You have over 20 years of experience leading complex and large-scale digital transformation. Could you walk us through the transformation journey at Daimler and what has that been like for you so far? I guess transformation normally uh, comes with in mind as, as a technology standpoint. But I will say in this point, uh, in this set, is that Mindset is probably the main biggest factor and definitely the transformation will have to start always from the top management point of view. Uh, why I say that? Because if you look at it from the mindset point of view, people are pretty much comfortable. Uh, they are complacent in a way with what they do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, like what they always say in the past, if there's nothing wrong, don't change it. Yes. Right. So in, in, such, a, in such a world where we look at uh, digital trend, things are moving much faster than we have 10 to 20 years ago. Uh, in terms of crisis, probably... In the past, we have economic crisis in 10 years cycle. Now we have it in shorter time frame, five years, three years, maybe in a year-to-year basis. And that requires a, a lot of change in the mindset, which means uh, we don't have the luxury of time. Things that can change could happen in a matter of months and, and weeks or even uh, within the year itself. So organizations need to be ready. Uh, the, there's a need for dynamic thought process. And what does that mean is that when there is a plan to, let's say, make the implementations or a strategy, uh, we try at least within the company right now, to keep it within a 12-month cycle maximum. So things are pretty much uh, run through a job framework approach. Uh, there are OKRs in place, basically a, a key metric KPIs that measures and challenges each and every individual, not just directly from the, uh, the team itself, but also at the top to say, that what, are, what are we targeting for this month? Have we reached our target? Can we do more uh, from the expects? Like any new initiative, uh, because this starts from the top itself, we, we have to be honest to ourselves that not everything can be changed uh, 100%, but uh, mm-hmm. I think there's always the room for failure. And I'm saying that we need to be honest in such a way that we have to look at the uh, field of changes. So uh, failure is always not the bad thing. Sometimes we learn from the mistakes. And uh, I think in the past, there's always the thought process that uh, everyone is afraid to start a new topic. But let, let the topic flows. Uh, let, let it hit the root, root block. And the, the lessons learned from them are actually valuable for the teams to see how much we can, let's say, optimize from the future projects onwards itself. It's interesting you talked about digital transformation starting from top down, because I would like to ask you if you faced any pushbacks from your management when you first started on this journey, and how did you overcome them? As any new initiative, the questions always start with, do we really need to do that now? Uh, Is there something wrong with the current processes? Do we really fix it? Can we do it next year? Or how much does it cost? Uh, as with any innovation, I would say that uh, there will always be roadblocks because people are more or less complacent and they're comfortable with what they have. 
So uh, I would say at the early stage, it's really to get in uh, like-minded uh, support from the board itself to say that why are we doing this initiative? What are the targets or what are the valuable benefits that the company can gain out of this? Is there a significant uh, target-focused uh, product? Is there a significant uh, value added to the vehicle itself that we can look at? Or in terms of cost optimization, cost savings? Such topics, uh, we will not just start from day one itself and it probably take a lot of iterations. Uh, for example, just to give a, a top process, we started with a chatbot internally, mm-hmm. right? And the first question people came was, why don't we just use the bot that's available in the, cloud pro- in the current cloud providers? Uh, the interesting part is that once we start to develop, in, develop the bot internally, there are a lot of, let's say, use cases that are more in-house than what we can leverage from the public environment. So we start to use those use cases internally. Uh, business are pretty much happy and as we optimize and use it, these are pretty much related to then to the data that is pretty much used uh, in-house itself. Earlier on, you said companies should understand that failure is not a bad thing. But, you know, I guess in such challenging times, companies might be more wary about failure given that there are budget cuts and tightening of purse strings. What advice do you have for companies that have just started their digital transformation journey amidst the pandemic? The pandemic has proven itself that, uh, you know, when things happen, they happen quickly. There is little room to react. And for example, when I look at what we talk about in terms of remote working, in terms of video conference or even telcos like that, people were pretty much saying that face-to-face is always the, uh, the most important because then we have more customer touch points and so forth. Mm-hmm. Look at just three to five months down the road and I could say that it has been proven remote working is actually very possible. In fact, many companies are quite surprised with most of the, the, the working people are actually at home. Uh, they see that business runs as per normal. So what does it mean for them? Uh, I, I will give the advice to say, do not stop at the uh, you know, first question. I think the most important thing is that once we start it, I think there's only one way to push forward and we have to keep driving that, right? Mm. At the end, the, the results will show um, the desire to, let's say, achieve something new. And that's what I will say every new company that's doing a startup should be more, let's say, proud or uh, holding, let's say, uh, confidence in the product, what they are pitching. And because with mm. their mindset in mind, this is what makes them, their product or their services unique to other companies. We will be taking a short break. If you would like to join us at Digital Marketing Asia 2020 as we dive into topics such as transformation, data and analytics and e-commerce, head to conferences.marketing-interactive.com slash digital-marketing-asia. What is one thing you wished you knew before embarking on digital transformation? Pretty much as a um, functional lead at the moment, uh, my focus was pretty much uh, within my areas of boundaries, I would say. Um, in what I can see is that around the different departments, there are sometimes synergies. There are also sometimes, uh, I would say, restrictions or even uh, you know, countermeasures to say that why are we doing certain initiatives. If I could have the options to you know, do this over again, I think I would probably try to uh, share in an open discussions um, to share with everyone why are we doing this holistically, how we can work closely together, not just as a functional or silo departments. Can we work closely hand in hand at the benefit of the company as a whole? Let's drop this kind of uh, the management uh, levels. We talk together as one team. Uh, there is no hierarchy. I think this works pretty much, I would say, in a positive approach if I were to do that again. Oh, okay, I see. Well, how did you break down the silos and have open discussions with your team? 
But I, I started the team with three members. Um, pretty much it was a big challenge uh, because we have uh, internal business units. Uh, well, we, we do the face-off approach. Basically, we just go to the business and say, these are some of the new things that we know. We're not doing something uh, different from the cloud providers. For example, we move you to cloud. Mm-hmm. But we want to understand not just on a technology standpoint, we want to be involved in the business. We want to understand where your pain points are. Uh, you know, how do you define this project or these services? How can we be part of it right from the beginning, not towards the execution point of view? And that kind of brings us closer in terms of the business relationship. We understand and work closely with the business, what their strategy works on to. And with that information in mind, we were able to, let's say, put four more uh, business akin uh, solutions, uh, not just from mm. a technical standpoint. So that I would say is one of the large benefits. With the team itself, maybe I'm coming to the people. Uh, I always encourage the team uh, bottom up. So there is no boss, there's no managers. Everyone is free, feel free to share. Uh, we have a daily standing meeting where everybody just throw ideas and give updates on what has been done or what are the challenges they face. Uh, we go through this in a stand-up meeting point of approach. Uh, there is no hierarchy and everyone is free to contribute. What are some digital transformation challenges you think the automotive industry will face? For auto industry, I, I, I would say with the infrastructure getting more organized with Singapore, if I look at the context of Singapore, uh, Singapore wants to go with uh, less vehicles on the road. There is an integrated uh, transport within the country itself. We are more uh, systematically connected through the internet. And the question would be then, do we need more vehicles on the road? Or would there be, let's say, larger forms of, let's say, uh, buses which are driverless? Uh, even if they are vehicles, these are more shared vehicles. So if you look at just this point of view itself, that means there will be less consumers buying the vehicles. Uh, there will be less drivers on, on the road, which means lesser consumer or customers for us. How do we make more use of that? So as, as, we, as we put, we are moving not just into a car company, but we are also trying to uh, embed the ecosystem around it. So data in terms of uh, data sharing, can we share our, uh, let's say, value-added services with other competitions itself, or even with our with our suppliers, data pretty much drives the whole uh, economy at the moment. Because mm-hmm. uh, supplier may need information, even a competitor may require similar information that we can co-share together. So there's a different point of uh, let's say outlook that we can look at in contributing to the world. How do you start planning the customer journey within a vehicle? You know, going back to your point about um, customers wanting an integrated experience from a car. How do you ensure that customers feel a particular emotion when they first enter the car and then feel another emotion when they start driving it? What I see from a day-to-day point of view is that uh, as, as the number of vehicles get more on the roads, how can we ensure that there is lesser breakdown? For example, you know, one of the few uh, maintenance and support is one of the uh, pain points for the consumers. Uh, we try to also look at what kind of data uh, are being used, you know, the mileage, uh, location A to B, mm-hmm. what kind of uh, in-vehicle services are being uh, used by the consumer itself. And what are these services uh, that can be pretty much make simplified? For example, uh, auto parking, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a team behind it that helps to say, oh, in, in Singapore, for example, uh, consumers hate to do parallel parking, right? Uh, yes. How, how can we, how can we uh, guide that through with some form of uh, AI or uh, simplified approach. So that has been implemented into the vehicles itself. And uh, I think most of the, the new vehicles on the road right now have these built-in features. So most, it just press a button, there's a sensor-based uh, automated approach and the user do not have a need to think about it. That's one use case. In terms of the safety itself, if you look at uh, how, how rainy days always have accident in Singapore, <laughs> to put mm-hmm. it there, can we save the user in terms of before uh, actual collisions? 
uh, there's a kind of uh, detection to say that with a certain proximity, the vehicle will auto brake with a certain force in uh, just enough to stop the vehicle but not injure also the passengers behind it and so forth and so forth. So there's a lot of uh, studies and a lot of use cases. I would say at the end, these are all data based on data facts that we collected. Then we try to improvise and improve on solutions for the consumers themselves. Well, in case you didn't know, Franco is also a speaker at our upcoming Digital Marketing Asia 2020 virtual conference, which will be held in November. Franco, could you please give our listeners a little teaser on what you'll be covering during the conference? What I can give right now is that with uh, data becoming more and more as part of the template of our life, I will be touching more on what I can see data transforming around the, the world. What kind of solutions are they in place today? Let's say handled by different companies. I'll probably share my thoughts on uh, the types of transformations, uh, the types of areas we look at in terms of AI, in terms of machine learning, analytics and clouds. Uh, hopefully then we can discuss also in, in a bigger group what are the thoughts around this transformation? What are the challenges that the users face or some of the companies face as well. It would be interesting to hear uh, their feedback and uh, we can all learn from each other from there. There are three crucial areas for digital transformation, people, process and technology. Where exactly should companies start first? I will go with people. People would be always number one on my list. At the end of the day, uh, if I were to go in the reverse order, tools are pretty much what the, uh, the people will make do with that. So uh, number one, people. Why people? Because the, the mindset itself would shape how the transformation goes. Uh, I mentioned earlier about starting from the top. Yes. Uh, it would be, it's always easy to talk about a new strategy or a new transformation. But if the management team do not walk the top, then we have to show that you know, we are serious about such things. How do we actually make such transformations? Uh, what, where does the management stand in this kind of transformation rule? Do we just talk about it and expect then the employees to be the one executing? And that's why we have OKRs, the kind of the KPIs that's been onset uh, within the management team itself to say we need to be skilled to a certain uh, profiling. We also train our management team in terms of the, the new tools, in terms of DevOps, in terms of clouds. We try to get ourselves certified. So that we say, look, guys, uh, we are doing a roadmap and route change. Now it is your turn and so forth. Uh, with that, I think uh, empowering the people itself is also one of the key uh, things I would, I would recommend. In, in where I see many organizations does is that there's always a top-down strategy. This is what our strategy is. Please execute it. So uh, what I mean by empowering employees is that we need to flatten then the, the manageability point of view. Uh, encourage users more to speak up, the employees to speak up. Empower them with certain uh, autonomy to fulfill their duties and roles because we hire them specifically for their skill sets and they should do what they perform, mm-hmm. not just by from a directive point of view, right? So that's for people. Uh, then I go to the process itself. Process is where I will see that along the years, uh, process and workflows get more and more complicated, actually. And uh, well, the, the good thing is we, with all this automation in place, uh, getting the right people to look at it itself is crucial. Uh, with the people trained in the mindset, with their new found skill sets, I'm pretty sure respective leads themselves will be able to say, hey, look guys, why are we performing five steps? Should we look into these five steps now and make it, make it into three for a start or maybe into two, right? Mm-hmm. There's always a, a constant feedback culture that would help. There will always be a, a requester and a receiver point of view. And this approach iteration will definitely improve then the processes behind it and reduce then the manual efforts. Key challenge people will always see is that oh, right now I automated food for me. Does it mean I'm out of job? So coming back again to the people that the management should always emphasize and mm-hmm. make it precisely measurable to say right now with this process automated, look, we have a new job for you or maybe a new role. There has to be a clear uh, you know, upscaling framework in place for the employees and for everyone to ensure that you know, there's a constant growth, not just for the company, but for the people itself. 
Then if I were to maybe cover just the last part on tools or where they call it technology, I will, I will actually put it in such a way, do not invest or look too much into the tools itself. Instead, I would recommend to do more with less tools. Whatever that means is to say that uh, most companies I've seen today, uh, whenever a new tool comes in uh, or new startups, people will say, you know, I have the best solution. Let's buy this. Let's integrate this. Over the years, it becomes tough to maintain it. You know, there's a whole lot of systems that I've seen even within some of the companies. They probably have thousand applications, a few hundred tools that they are using it. Uh, do more with less. Look at what some of these tools are doing. I would say probably maybe even five of the tools are performing 80% of similar functions. Can we consolidate these tools? Can we optimize it further? And coming again, sorry, to the people point of view, with the right people and right skill set in place, these tools will be definitely optimized. That's a great point. You know, I think there's generally a misconception that plenty of monetary investment is needed when it comes to digital transformation. But like what you said, you can always do more with less by consolidating the current tools you already have. That said, what advice do you have for companies that want to jumpstart their digital transformation journey during this period? If I look at what the COVID has done to the economy, a lot of companies uh, started to stay stagnant. Or maybe, maybe some people are even hoping that you know, things are returning back to normal in the next weeks or even months. I would say don't, don't wait. Uh, start small, start simple. Uh, start with uh, simple targets, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, set clear mm-hmm. objective. What are the measurables? Maybe one to three maximums and, and work from there. People would be pretty much, again, uh, the main focus. How do we right now ensure that the, uh, the employees are motivated? What kind of, first of all, ensure that they have uh, the right tools, uh, the, the right uh, connections to be able to perform uh, their day-to-day work, right? Which means getting a remote access in place, getting the uh, connectivity in, make sure they have the right access to the uh, uh, in-house network via VPN. So with that in mind, uh, hold various discussions with uh, the key business unit or even the internal teams. Share with them the strategy, how uh, the new norm is working. Discuss also, uh, I would say, uh, openly. What are some of the changes I would, in, maybe in terms of the work, I would say uh, retain new organization, right? Mm. Because in the past, probably people would say, oh, now I have an organization as such. These are the clear team members I have. Re- relook into the organization. Uh, relook into how uh, the employees can be deployed. Maybe things will work more digital. Things will work more uh, towards the online aspects. Even uh, maybe stag- stagger the team into two, two different teams. Uh, instead of operations running from nine to six today, uh, we can even run uh, 24 by 7 with the online approach. Because mm. if you look at overall time savings and cost savings, uh, we don't have to r- do the rush hour to office every day. Ensure that the people are motivated through, through constant uh, review. Uh, look at what are the things that the customer needs, as I mentioned. Talk to the business more. There will be a few steps to start from. And I'm pretty sure the rest will pretty much roll into place. What would you say is an overhyped area of digital transformation? We have uh, started uh, looking into artificial intelligence, machine learning, analytics and so forth. Uh, ironically, I would say these are also <laughs> the buzzwords that most uh, companies or most providers will definitely use. Mm-hmm. In terms of maybe starting from the point of AI, where we are today, I would say we are in a phase of uh, autonomous self-service uh, defined artificial intelligence. Uh, we are not really there into that the, the human aspect of what it can be done, that the machine itself can really uh, take clear steps or even take action steps on what we want to do. So that's definitely, uh, I would say, an overhyped thought process. We are, we are just pretty much advanced analytics. Right? Mm. Why I say that? Because if, if I come back to the point where I will be talking about the data point of view, data itself, in itself, can be good and bad. Uh, most companies today struggle to maintain their data information. 
So if you have the right information, by all means, this is good. You can make the best use of it. But if we have the wrong information, that, that I will use the word garbage in and garbage out. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> The, the terms of how the uh, AI will turn up depending on really much how you maintain your information. I would cover then the, the last two parts when I mentioned about data and analytics. Uh, I would say, think about this, people. I think we all start from Excel, Microsoft Excel. Mm-hmm. We do some kind of a statistic uh, calculation. Data analytics today, I would say it's not that different. It's just in terms of the sizing that we have, in terms of the volume metrics, uh, or in terms of the uh, different groups of information that we want to put together. Uh, do not be, let's say, too excited about uh, the use of data analytics, but uh, look at today. Again, I, start, and I would like to start simple. Always look at what we have in-house. What are the data that each company have in their own? And even by a simple automated tool, uh, Excel itself, through even statistically, R, uh, R tools, this will simplify a lot of processes. You do not need high-end tool set for that. Mm. Okay. Last okay. point. So a lot of people think of cloud as, you know, well, we all have to do clouds. Uh, think, think of cloud not as the point of cost savings. Cloud can be expensive if you do it the wrong way. Uh, but of course, cloud would be cheap if you have the, the, the right, uh, let's say, target solution or let's say target environment for it. Think of cloud as a, as a, as a kind of a big ecosystem. Uh, the cloud providers are making use of it for a reason, not, not just for the infrastructure. They have built in, let's say, a serverless technology. They have a bunch of uh, AI or ML two sets around it that might be beneficial for your company or they might not be beneficial for a company. So really evaluate uh, cloud as not just a point of cost savings, but whether does it make sense for each of the business applications or you know what we're trying to move. There will always be dependencies on the existing legacy infrastructure. I will always recommend that start with a POC, right? Do a first move. Do always iteration of check, uh, stand up meetings with the business unit, understand whether this has helped to optimize their business, not just for the cost, but in terms of the value added services. And then move on from there through a kind of MVP point of view, target different products. Thank you for listening to Marketing Connected and stay tuned for another Digital Marketing Asia 2020 episode next week. If you are interested in signing up for the upcoming Digital Marketing Asia 2020 virtual conference, Click the link attached to the episode description or hit to www.marketing-interactive.com. We hope to see you there.